Rocky, back in 1988, the fires in Yellowstone were kind of the first major sign that there was a big change in fire seasons. Can you talk about that? You, you and I both covered that, so. Yes, we did, Joan. And actually, at the end of that season, it was, you know, it was the first of, of the big giant fires, uh, the, as we now call them, mega fires, uh, since the 1910 fire. And we didn't know at that time it was tied to climate change. But if you look back just a couple of years, you start seeing it. James Hansen that year testified in Congress about the extent of uh, the warming that was going on in the world. And that also was, uh, they, that was a record uh, drought year and heat year. Uh, they sold uh, you know, a record amount of air conditioners in the United States in 88. And uh, more than 700,000 acres of Yellowstone burned. So it, it was, uh, you know, it was a phenomenal uh, event, but we at the time were arguing, you know, over let burn versus logging. It was not really uh, looked at as a climate. And, and I, a couple of years later, uh, coined the phrase that it was the signal fire of climate change after scientists started telling us that our entire ecosystem was going to change as these fires continued and got worse. And that was the key they're saying in the Oregon fires because the forests there are typically don't burn because there's enough moisture in the soil. They don't burn in the mega fire style because there's enough moisture left, but because the earth has slowly been warming, it's been sucking, sucking moisture out of that soil. So those, those forests that in the past were sort of protected are no longer protected, which is why Oregon is seeing those tremendous fires. That's correct. And, you know, you think about this, uh, we used to call uh, North Idaho the asbestos forest because since 1910, uh, you know, there have been a few years of uh, tough forests, but not, uh, uh, you know, nothing like 1910 for the same reason that Oregon, it's wetter. And, uh, but in 2015, we had the same kind of fires as they're having now in Oregon. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's just a matter of time until all of North Idaho and unfortunately big chunks of uh, Oregon are going to burn like Southern Idaho has. You know, I had a wonderful uh, conversation with Jen Pierce at Boise State University and her, her colleague Matt Cohen came up with a, a figure. He had figured out that the chance of the climate change being caused by something other than humans, it's got to be, is one over 10 to the 35th power, which is as he described it as, if I pick up a grain of sand and I place it on a planet somewhere in our solar system, go away, you come back and pick up that same grain of sand. The chances that, this is it, the, that's, the, that's the chance that it's not human cause. So the, the science is so clear that this is, you know, that global warming or current global warming trend is human cause and yet, climate, uh, it's still a part of public policy discussions, whether there is climate change or not. How has that climate change discussion uh, been going this year with such bad smoke levels? Well, you know, it's the fact that we are this year still having this discussion is due in part to an, a very well-funded campaign uh, that's gone on since the early 90s to uh, essentially dispute the science. And, you know, it was, it was largely paid for by the uh, f 
fossil fuel industry, oil and gas industry, and its supporters. And, you know, they succeeded in 2016 in getting our president elected. And he has, uh, he, you know, he's, he still leads a big voice uh, in just denying that that climate change exists. And all the science in the world isn't, uh, isn't, you know, going to change that for a lot of people. And then there's, out here in the West, there's a lot of people, it really started in the, uh, uh, in the, in the late 80s, that suddenly the forest industry realized that the fire suppression that came after uh, 1910 was actually making the forest, you know, more vulnerable to fire because it was filling it with fuel. And so that became their main um, scientific argument. And of course, it's true. Uh, the only thing is, is that we started seeing, it was uh, a report that came out in 2007 that first made it clear that climate change was overwhelming that uh, uh, fuel load that we have. And so, you know, while it's still important to, to do forest management, and let's face it, that's a consensus now, the environmental community and the timber industry are working in consensus groups all over Idaho to do more thinning, to do some logging, to do uh, things, especially around communities, to try to make it uh, easier to, uh, to get through these fires. But on the days when it's hot, when it's dry, when it's windy, days like you and I saw back in 1988, and frankly, I've seen over and over for the last 32 years, there is nothing you can do. That is going, you know, that those fires, those conditions are going to blow up and there's only one thing to do and that's to get out of the way. In a year with a lot of new normals, is this gonna be the new normal for the West? It already is. You know, that's the thing is, is you don't sometimes, re again, like I said, in 1988, I didn't really know it was about climate change. But, uh, you know, little did I know that Oakland was going to burn up in 1991. And yeah. that in the Foothills fire right outside of Boise here uh, was going to burn uh, a couple hundred thousand acres in uh, 1992. Interestingly enough, in uh, we had fires in in. Uh, 2013 that were burning some of the same t forests that burned in 1992. We're already in the reburn. And, and what the reburn's doing, what Jen Pierce has actually showed us is that what the reburn's doing is we're moving from Ponderosa Pine Forest on the edge of Boise to rangeland and juniper. Now that I had, my grandparents were in, uh, lived in Paradise, California, so I can appreciate the, what happens when a community just gets devastated. Are we gonna, is there a chance that Boise or Coeur d'Alene or uh, could be the next paradise? Well, you know, Coeur d'Alene certainly has, uh, it, it's right in, you know, the forest is right into that. Uh, people are, uh, and I think people, the fact that Northern Idaho has been, uh, uh, the asbestos forest. I think people have been lulled by that to not do the clearing around the community uh, that uh, we've come to do. We've done quite a bit of in Boise. I mean, since uh, 
1996. We had the big fire right in the foothills uh, out here. Um, and then we had the Oregon Trail fire uh, over by uh, Columbia Village. Since we've had these events right on the edge of Boise, we've done a lot. Now, of course, you have to keep doing a lot to clear. But up in Coeur d'Alene, they, you know, they've still been living under the idea that, uh, you know, they're okay. So I, I do worry about that really dry, hot uh, summer when, you know, when Coeur d'Alene uh, uh, goes. And, you know, an interesting thing is, uh, you know, if, if you like Boise now, uh, uh, Dick Barr is an old fire ecologist who was in Yellowstone with us. Dick Barr retired a couple of years ago. He said to me at the time, he said, if you like Boise, then you're, you'll love Coeur d'Alene about 20 years from now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's the fact that climate change is just changing our ecosystems. It's changing the world. Boise uh, will be in about 20 years like a climate similar to Fresno. Is, I guess, you know, is there any policies? Is Congress looking at any policies? I mean, I realize we're heading into election year, so everything's kind of, you know, stopped until after the election. But were there, were there policies that Congress was looking at to deal with uh, forest management policies that might help with, the, with fires? Yeah, Congress is, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Representatives uh, Mike Simpson, uh, Senator uh, Crapo and Rich, and also uh, Senator uh, Wyden over in uh, Oregon uh, changed the way we uh, do fire, fire borrowing money. It's, it's a technical thing, but basically trying to make more money available upfront uh, for uh, doing thinning and uh, things to make communities safer. Um, and that's already not enough. We already know we need to do, and the fact is, I, my argument is that we'll never have enough. Uh, it, it's always going to be, uh, it's going to overwhelm us for a while. Uh, but um, there are, I, I talked to Senator Wyden just uh, uh, a couple of days ago and, and Senator Crapo, and they're working on things like a new uh, CCC, a Conservation Corps, Civilian Conservation Corps, to get people out uh, to do these thinning around communities and to do uh, the work that we need to do. And there's also, uh, they want to come up with more, uh, you know, projects on federal lands. And they're looking at some uh, reduction in environmental regulations to do that, uh, which is still a little controversial. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot more attention to the forest after this year. Before you go, I want to get one last bonus question in about Yellowstone. How, how are the You've now covered fires for the bulk of your career. Have fires, what was it about the Yellowstone fire that set off people's thinking that this was fires were gonna be a problem? You know, people, uh, people up until that time had just taken for granted, and I'm talking on both sides of the political aisle, that the West and the forest that we saw in front of us were always gonna be there. Yeah, there was a forest fire here and a forest fire there. Yellowstone changed that. I mean, it really, that was a, uh, an event that forced all of us to, to look at, my gosh, uh, if we are, if, if things are going to be allowed to continue in a natural way, 
um, we're going to see major change in the landscape. We did, just didn't think that was possible. And, you know, I, of course, forests are what we see because it's around us. But if you go down to, uh, uh, to the hurricane country, they're having so much more storms, bigger storms than they ever yeah. had. And, uh, and if we're down in uh, Arizona right now, it's a heck of a lot drier. And you look at Lake Mead and, uh, uh, and how, how much less water there is. It's just, it was the beginning of uh, our wake up call. The, you know, the Pentagon has said climate change is the, gr the greatest threat to the United States right now. And, and uh, is there, with that kind of doom you know, idea, is there any hope? Yes, there's hope. If we get out and, I mean, if we change our, uh, our place and get back out into the leadership position we need to be in in this, uh, I think we've got the chance to get ourselves through it, but we have to accept adaptation is going to be really important. We're just going to have to learn to live with all of this fire, all of these storms. Uh, a, you know, uh, this, this week uh, they had a, a big glacier broke off in uh, Antarctica, and that's in and of itself is going to raise the level of the oceans. So places like Bangladesh and Mozambique, where I was last year, the lowlands in these places are going to be, you know, just flooded on a regular basis so that people can't live there. Yeah. And that's going to force migrations. The, um, you, if you look in the Himalayas, uh, think of all the snow that's being held up in the highlands there. We're going to have to come up with, I, you know, we're probably going to have to build complete new water retention uh, dams and things like that just to keep uh, places like India and Pakistan uh, livable. And we can do that. It's going to cost us lots of money. And we have to, we being the places where uh, we're not going to su suffer those events, we're going to have to invest in uh, in in doing those work, or we're going to have, as the Pentagon has said, you know, substantial migrations that are going to cause all kinds of uh, unrest and conflict. So we're going to have to, you know, I hate to say it, but we're going to have to get together as a world and, and deal with this. And it doesn't mean that we aren't going to use market forces to, uh, to do this. There's all kinds of ways that uh, a capitalist system can do it, but we are going to have to uh, take the science. We're going to have to take a, a much larger look at this from a worldwide, because it is a worldwide event. And there's a couple other things that I see. Uh, environmentalists, for instance, you're going to have to uh, consider technology like uh, nuclear power, because, and, and of course, it as it changes and improves. Um, the other thing is, trying to capture uh, carbon out of the atmosphere and technology. There are, th there's, we're gonna have to use a lot of creativity, but I do think that's possible. And I, I just, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm still an optimist. <laughs> well, thank you, Rocky Barker. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Joan.